Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 258 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, everyone. Are you okay, Lauren? I'm okay. I don't know if Audacity is okay, though. It, it seems to be chugging a bit. It, it's, it's just kind of taking its time. I think I had a really bad Saturday night, honestly. It does seem that way. Audacity, why did you go drinking last night? We told you that we were going to record the podcast today. Honestly, it's just so irresponsible. I think that's the only thing that you can really say. Yeah, it's just irresponsible. irresponsible it's trying its best, though. You know, like, you can't really ask for much more, couldn't hey. we, given the situation. It has to be as professional as we are. So professional. All the time. Yes. So what have you been playing since our last podcast, Lauren, which is two weeks ago now, after our back-to-back Mm. episodes well i haven't really been playing much daryl's i um i completely reset my computer so i've not been playing the sims as much as i normally would do so i've basically been stuck with my phone um playing league of legends but there's a lot of things that i dream of playing um i really want to start up animal crossing and the second that i was about to start up animal crossing i realized that my right trigger was broken on my Joy-Con, and um, I want to play Ghost of Tsushima or something else on the PlayStation 5, but every time I want to do that, Daryl is playing Ghost of Tsushima or something else. On the PlayStation 5. And then 5. I can't. So I'm I'm at a loss of what I can do, but I did just get a new Joy-Con now, so at least maybe I can take part. It's orange. In Animal Crossing again, but... But I, I feel I feel as though I'm trapped in a emotional moment. Now, I would preface this by saying that I'm not playing the PlayStation 5 all the time. There are significant portions of time when I'm not playing anything. There are, but the it's moments... It's just that Lauren wants to play at the exact same time that I'm playing. Yes, because we have children and unfortunately there is only a short space of time when we actually can sure play sure games. so what you're saying is that we need a second playstation 5 we do i i do find that there are times where i think we we need a second playstation I mean, 5 back when we were um kind of in the formative years of our relationship we did actually have a setup where we had two playstation 3s set up with two monitors mm playing the same game side by side. And somehow we lasted the whole generation of PlayStation 4 without needing a second PlayStation yeah, 4. Yeah. I think that's I don't because know how the kids arrived. It, yeah. it makes it much harder. It does. It does. But yeah, somehow somehow we made it through that. But now I'm, I, I'm feeling the pain. Because remember, Demon Souls Platinum was our last hurrah yep. before, before Ali arrived. We were yep. like, we're going to get it. We will get the Platinum. I think we vowed to get the Platinum on every Souls game. We yeah. Just did, we did the first one. We did the first one and then we just fell apart because we don't have this. We don't have, we didn't have two copies of Dark Souls. Mm, I think we do. We Well, we do technically, but we didn't want to open my special version that you got me. That's true. For, I think it was Christmas or my birthday. It's the problem with like getting the special editions of the games. You don't actually want to play them. No. No. Why would I want Especially to? Especially because like, I know like with the 7 remake, there was like the super spandangled soldier first class edition, I think it was called. Yeah. And um, yeah, like you, you see now, like um, if you're looking back at special editions of older games that were like 30 years old if they're pristine unboxed they could be selling for like five six seven times the value yeah but then i would also 
question whether or not you're actually making money because mm. of inflation during that time. It's like, yeah, mm. okay, so you paid like, I don't know, $100 for it in 1990. And if you're selling it for 300 now, is that, I don't know how much things have inflated in that time. Well, I mean, I just saw actually that I think it was, and like this might be the wrong number, but it was quite a few thousand that a sealed copy of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 has just sold. Yeah. And it was like thousands, like we're talking about like probably about 30,000 pounds or something crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I just can't, I guess maybe because we're in it right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe once physical products start to kind of go the way of wherever, yeah, that like for collectors they're going to be so important in the in the future. But I'm just wondering because I know there are some people that like they try to collect every single Mega Drive game and every single N64 game and like mm. those kind of things. There are so many games now on each system. I just don't even know where you'd start. Imagine if you were trying to collect every PlayStation Four game. Yeah, there are thousands. I know yeah. there are probably thousands on the Mega Drive as well. Mm-hmm. But like you know, I guess you have to just discount the digital ones because there's no point. But like, if you're a physical collector, then yeah, like all the special editions, the collector editions, all those things. I, I think like some of the copies of Dreamcast games I've got are actually quite rare because mm-hmm. I've got Shenmue Two upstairs, and um, yeah, I think that was that's quite rare now. Well, yeah, like I really do feel like the later generations now it's going to be it's going to be more and more beneficial to be a collector because of the fact that like physical goods are becoming less and less available whereas like sort of at the tail end of last generation slash like playstation 3 era i feel like we were going through an abundance of games where there was just like a crap load of games that you could buy and there was always a crap load available um the only game that like from PlayStation 3 and I, I'm there's bound to be a ton more but that we really found was a struggle to find was near like near was the one that was just ridiculously near gestalt specifically like it's really hard to find that game at all and um so yeah I feel like it's it's gonna get to that point again where there's just less and less physical copies because I know somebody said about the physical copy of Animal Crossing even is quite hard to come across because people just give up. They just think, eh, I don't really feel like buying it from a shop. I'll just get it on. I'll just get it digitally. That's what you did, right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, I do have a, we do have a physical mm. copy of it. Um, But yeah, like obviously, you know, CEX, you can see the graveyard of games that are coming. But like, I really do feel like with the PlayStation 5 and onward, I think, they're going to probably be making less physical copies of games. Yeah, I mean, it's been going crazy. You can even see it from uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say lesser games, but lesser games that are coming out, the the ones that aren't at the premium price point. Mm-hmm. So like Kina was the perfect example. <laughs> it released uh, digitally first, mm-hmm. and there was the digital standard edition and the deluxe edition. They're releasing a physical version like two months after the release of the game, but it's not the standard edition. You can only buy the deluxe edition. Mm. So they're kind of, it's it's like we were looking at with the cars yesterday. They remove it for the physical versions. They're going to start removing the low tier of entry. Yeah. So you have to buy like the deluxe version or the premium version of a product. And we're also seeing with Square Enix now with Stranger of Paradise where 
if you want those bells and whistles, you can only get it by buying digitally. There isn't going to be an offline deluxe edition or anything like that. It's digital only, which is another way they're trying to push. They're trying to push people basically towards spending more money on things that they would not have done otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, Kina, if you want the physical version, you have to pay. You have to pay more than the game is worth mm-hmm. because you have to buy the deluxe edition, and they make more margin on the deluxe edition because. The things that they put in there are like digital products, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, you can get a different weapon inside or something. I don't know. Or there, it's like you can get pins, which aren't very expensive to make if you're buying thousands of them. Yeah. So they make mass margin on those deluxe editions, collector editions, which is why they don't sell too many of them to make them scarce. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very interesting way it's going. Like they're over the last ten years, because the gate price of games hasn't really gone up so much and like you know if you even think about how it was i remember when the n64 was out over here games were like 70 80 pounds then and the fact there's been such horror about games being 70 pounds now on the playstation 5 is quite interesting because of where it's come from but like you know even mega drive games were 45 50 pounds sometimes mm-hmm. and the the playstation 3 4 and 5 they've gradually done like five pound increments but people are paying it because they they feel as though the entertainment products are worth it, but they're still trying to find ways to eke out more profitability. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling as though I know that when the um, the pandemic first started and there was the whole thing about, oh, you know, there's not going to make any money because no one's able to buy the games. What we saw, again, from what we were looking at with the automotive industry yesterday, was that actually all these companies have made way more money throughout the pandemic yeah. than they would have done if the pandemic hadn't happened because loads of people bought digitally instead of physical and the companies make tons of profit on those mm-hmm. because they're selling the same product, exactly the same product for the same price, but without all the overheads. So yeah. they don't have to pay the game or the whatever retailer is. They don't have to pay for the shipping they don't have to pay for all the fulfillment. Like they don't have to pay for so many of the overheads that come with shipping a physical product. So when the Seven Remake came out, Square were just laughing. Yeah, like they had one of their best, most profitable quarters in the history of the company because so many people bought Seven Remake digitally because they had no choice. And there was that whole thing as well. They didn't know if the physical copies were going to be shipped on time, so a lot of people cancelled them to buy digital instead. And then those people would have brought probably bought a physical copy on top of the digital one, so they had something to collect. Yeah. And I don't know how we got onto this subject, but <coughs> it is very interesting uh with how things are going in terms of like the collectors that exist amongst us. I am still not one hundred percent sold on digital just because mm. I, I've seen, it doesn't happen very often, but I, I'm pretty sure, and someone's going to correct me here, but I'm pretty sure that in like the T's and C's somewhere, if you buy a product digitally, you don't actually own it. Yeah. So like it's it's on the ecosystem that you're part of, and at any point, the publisher can choose to discontinue that product and even potentially take it away. So like um, PT is an example where if you downloaded it and it was still on your hard drive, fine, you have it. But even though you've got the license to download that demo, they took that license away. Mm-hmm. So you can't download PT anymore. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure it's happened to not very many, but some games have been released digitally that are no longer available. And if you had them installed, fine. But if you if you deleted it, you could no longer download it, even though you paid for it. And it's much the same as mobile games, right? Square Enix have released so many mobile games that have just 
gone by they're in the graveyard yeah. of mobile games yeah. and all they do at the end of it is just say oh yeah no we're sorry you've potentially spent thousands some people do spend thousands yeah. on these games yeah the game's not happening anymore sorry bye yeah yeah like you have nothing to show for stuff. it like it's just yeah it's it's really it's really quite extreme um because i'm pretty sure yeah. like mobius you can't play mobius anymore right I it's know. just not even accessible let me check I'm pretty sure it's just it's gone. Yeah. No. I mean, um, Disney Infinity was the big one. That was the one that everybody sort of like opened their eyes to. Um, yeah. So on Mo- on Steam, it says you go to the Mobius page, and it just says, at the request of the publisher, Mobius Final Fantasy is no longer available. Mm. So anyone who's invested in Mobius throughout all those years gone the game yeah. uh, all the money you've put into it is gone or you can't there's no way to experience the story of mobius anymore unless you're watching youtube videos of someone playing through it yeah yeah i mean could you imagine if they took away roblox at some point oh yeah that would be horrible i mean like ultimately like it just anything that is like kind of persistent game like that like mmos die at some point final fantasy 14 will die mm-hmm. and and like it's like you think about how much for that one, yeah. How much? If you've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen since the beginning, so that's eleven years worth of subscription fees, and like I think they're on a legacy package, so it's like eight pound a month. So you, you're looking at you, you've spent over a thousand pounds on Final Fantasy fourteen at that point, excluding the actual cost of buying the game, mm-hmm. buying each of the expansions. So you're probably looking at about like one, like one thousand two hundred ish, which is about I don't know, like close to two thousand dollars if you've been playing since the beginning yeah but at some point in the future i mean it's probably going to be like another 10 years until that game gets cancelled based on how much money it's making it's now the most profitable game in the in the franchise at some point they will just say sorry we're shutting the game down yeah it's over it's done yeah and you have no control over it but yeah so positive i know we're so we're so great it's because Um, i've got a cold and it makes me grouchy it does it makes him a bit grumpy but it is it is it is interesting like because i i feel as though there are like the the whole digital thing is 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 a massive thing around convenience Mm -hmm. and like it's it's i guess it's a whole philosophical thing because you see it in all of the like the movies it's nothing to do with games but like the shift towards um like electric cars for example Mm -hmm. well once the power like once the charge is gone you can't use them there's no like backup like on as a sort of like a side and like sort of positive light it definitely does also mean that there's less there's less stuff like and that is a really big issue it's like for the environment like i mean in terms of electricity maybe not so great (laughs) but in terms of like you know it it still uses electricity to have to exactly like play the game so you're just taking out one bit of the physical all you're of taking the out the physical production the like plastic all and all that stuff like that stuff isn't recyclable so i guess that then comes down to um like in in some ways the, the <coughs> regulation mm. it's like there's no limit to the amount of games that could be in production at any time yeah there's no limit to the amount of game copies of games that can be produced and like if you think about how the video game industry has gone mm. there are so many games released now a lot of them are digital and mm. if they didn't have the capacity to release digital games many of those games would not ever exist because yeah. like you know if you and i decide we want to make a game next year 
we don't have the connections to make a physical game. Yeah. Like you'd have to go through so many different things. You have to work with a publisher and all this stuff. And then it just, it becomes unviable for a lot of people because mm-hmm. the margins are so small. Like you could invest, you could work on a game for like two years, full time, eight hours a day, weekends and everything. And, and then at the end of it, your game sells, I don't know, 10,000 copies and you, you make some money back. But if it's physical, you're going to make less. Yeah. 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 I mean, like at the end of the day, as long as you have fun, it's worth it. Right. Like as long as you had your fun about it, it's 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 a worthy investment. Like my physical copies of PlayStation 2 games, they're kind of waste. They're kind of wasteful because I can't really play them right now. So they're just kind of sitting there collecting dust. I do wish that there was a way that the um that you could utilize the physical copies of games that we have bought in the past in order to play on current consoles now like if there was something with where they could look up the barcode or something to be able to say like hey you can still play this game but like i know that they're never gonna do that yeah i mean the only thing you can really do is is emulation yeah and a lot of the publishers because that's the thing emulation isn't actually illegal Mm -hmm. and if you have the license to the game because you've bought it you are within your rights to emulate yeah and i'm pretty sure that like um uh yeah like uh, I remember reading about I think the game historian had, had covered it like the history of the emulators and, and like Bleem yeah. and all those things and yeah like, there's nothing wrong with it and and uh, a lot of the um, companies when they do emulate games within their hardware they're actually using the same emulation software that these third parties are producing mm. so yeah if you want to play PlayStation 2 games you pop the disc in all good you're good to go if that's the, if that's um, the method you have available to you problem is now though that a lot of PCs and laptops don't come with disk drives, yeah. so then you have to get a like a an external That's hard drive or some that, hard that, drive. Disk that drive. is something that we were talking about on Mayamata as well. The podcast I got to guest on uh, the Mayamata podcast, and um, it was just like, what are they going to do about the slim version of like the PlayStation Five? Do you think that there's going to be a disk drive or no? Well, it depends, I guess, on the sales, the mm. ratio. I think that the PlayStation 5 Digital has actually been selling pretty well. Mm. And because there have been so many digital sales in general, I think it's at least sort of 50-60% of games are physical now as opposed to digital. And that is biased because there are more digital games that release than physical. But um, I I think I can't imagine there being a disk drive in the next generation after this. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, they're really trying to phase them out. Just because they don't make money. Well, they make less money. Yeah, it's just sad. But anyways, all right. Um, Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the longest intro we've ever done, Lauren. Yeah. Um, Let us know if you appreciated it or if you wanted us to stop talking five minutes ago. Shut up, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, we should definitely do our Patreon shout outs now. Yes. Uh, so we're going to kick things off with Lewis James at LJ Composer. Rachel Casterton at Drunken Vieira. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Zelda Clinton at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Miles Ribbons. Alex and Rachel Trowman at Akira Namejin. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Ryzen. Thurin Bullen at Massacre23. Sam Ennis. Chris Willis. Fayaz Bilal. Chris Pope. Freya Stella. Jared Brilland. Marco Lilu. 
and Gregory. Thank you, guys. Thank you all so much. So our actual plan today was to talk about World of Final Fantasy、mm. because that game came out approximately five years ago, just ahead of、uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen.、Mm. Whoop! <laughs> and I. I always feel as though the game got a little bit. I, actually, I don't know if it worked in its favor or not because、mm. I, I think in the build-up to it, I think we spoke about it on the podcast around that time that 15 was supposed to come out in September, and then World of Final Fantasy was supposed to come out after the month after. And I feel as though they they planned it that way so that they would draw a load of people in to 15, and then they'd be like, "Oh, I really want to like play some other games because I've I've like." I'm experiencing this game for the first time,、mm. and then we've got a like a tribute game coming out straight away afterwards. That、mm. would be perfect to kind of drive those new fans too, because they get to experience like all the best parts of the franchise without having to play every individual game. But 15 got delayed, and World of Final Fantasy ended up coming first, and I don't know if that helped it because some people may have decided to. Buy the game、uh, because fifteen was delayed,、mm. but then some people could have chosen to hold off buying it because fifteen was delayed, and they only wanted to buy one of them. And maybe if they had played fifteen, then they would have been like re because fifteen was the first Final Fantasy game they have released in a long time, like、yeah. main series. And, and, and we were all desperate at that time we, to we get、were. our hands so, on it. So so many people bought it on that basis, and. I'm just wondering if what I, I still don't know if World of Final Fantasy suffered or like was was、um, benefited from from everything that happened around that time because、mm. I just don't know if if it just got drowned out. Yeah, or it would have got because 15 just carried on being a nice steamroller afterwards as well. I know. I I honestly I still think it did just because like I don't think that they probably they definitely didn't put. Half as much of the marketing budget into World of Final Fantasy as they did Final Fantasy Fifteen. No, we're near. Like it was just, it was really sad, honestly, because I think really like both games were kind of being treated as a Final Fantasy game for Final Fantasy fans, right? Because like Final Fantasy Fifteen was like. Oh, it's for first timers and like people who love the series, and there was a lot of like nostalgia stuff sort of placed within. It was unfair, like especially for Hiroki Chiba, who this was like his big, this was like his big game, his big like sort of thing where he put a lot of heart into it and stuff, and it was overshadowed by Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like, why would somebody? It's it's like. There comes out like the iPhone, what the iPhone like fourteen, and they're just like, oh, but we're also coming out with the iPad because y'all really love the iPad, and they release the iPod like three months before they release the iPhone fourteen. It's a really good point, actually, and it it's actually just made me think: why didn't they release it in twenty seventeen,、mm. which would have been an anniversary year? That would have been、mm. the thirtieth anniversary. And it, World of Final Fantasy is an anniversary game, and it was never even like talked about as being part of a celebration of any kind. I mean, maybe they needed the money at that time because of everything going on. They could have released it at the、Who、start、knows? of 2017,、mm. like the first quarter, to get in the results.、Uh, like it, they don't plan well, Daryl's. They don't plan. Well, no, King, so Kingdom Hearts was 2017, right? Oh, or was it? I can't remember. 
I remember there was a lot of stuff happening because I think no, everything got delayed, didn't it? Because I think near mm. near Automata was around that time too. Kingdom Hearts three was two thousand nineteen. Two thousand nineteen. Okay, maybe I'm got that bit wrong then. <laughs> no, but like no, I I have a feeling that two thousand seventeen was a dead year. Because there was like a sort of weird time frame where there was stuff announced, but not, but nothing was coming Dragon out. Dragon Quest Eleven came out around that time, didn't it? Maybe. Or was it? I don't know. But either way, like, yeah, it would have made sense for them to do something around the anniversary instead. I do remember that because we had started the YouTube channel around that point and we were covering news and one of the videos that we did that got a ton of traction was around the 30th anniversary because mm-hmm. there's that rumor they were going to release that massive collection for it and it i think they did actually do something similar in japan but nowhere else and um yeah so like and there was the whole thing like it's the 30th anniversary that's a huge milestone for any franchise and they did the opening ceremony and then there was just nothing yeah yeah nothing i just think like they they had a like weird habit of just not putting any marketing budget towards like new things or things that they thought might like that towards the things that needed it like you know they they'll throw a ton of money money at the stuff that will they know will sell which is i guess safe and fair enough but it, it also it just kind of like yeah but still you should be maybe focus a little bit more attention because there was a lot on near wasn't there like near automata they had like no budget whatsoever no budget, no. and then even after near automata and your replicant didn't get like any budget either they were just kind of like no thanks it can, no. it can do its own thing it can do itself like i don't i don't really know what they throw their budget you know what they throw their budget at mm. the avengers and they spend every yeah. like last they spend every last dime on the seven remake and the avengers and then yeah. they didn't have anything <clears throat> left and with 15 they spent so much money yeah. on, on marketing that game but i think the thing that's really sad about world of final fantasy is that like there there are it is a tribute game. It yeah. pulls in from all the different parts of the franchise. But what they did really well was that it's also an original story in, in a way that Dissidia wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, Dissidia has an original story. It's very convoluted. Um, and it, it's obviously a justification for all of the characters existing in the same world. It's got a loose connection to the original Final Fantasy. But with World of Final Fantasy, they came up with like original cast of characters uh, and like a, an interesting world of grimoire, like the justification for the change in aesthetics. And like the thing that, that kind of always disappointed me about what happened with it was that it was a really probably one of the best tribute games ever made yeah. for the franchise. But in the same way that Kingdom Hearts is its own thing because of the strength of Sora and Riku and Kairi. Um, enhanced by Final Fantasy and, and Disney, World of Final Fantasy had a very similar vibe because it was the story of Rain and Lan enhanced by Final Fantasy. Like they weren't the be all and end all; they were there as supplemental characters in this exactly the same way that they mm. would be in, in Kingdom Hearts. And I felt as though World of Final Fantasy was was kind of done dirty in a way because mm. of that, because it, it was always positioned as this tribute game, but it's actually not. Like it's it's its own thing with its own story. And it would have been a really good way for people to get drawn into it. Like mm-hmm. to, because to, they, they always, like, I mean, even the name of the game was bad in that regard because Kingdom Hearts was a completely new IP. And it, it, like, everyone knew in the build up it was going to be a new game that's, that's pulling in from these different sources. So, but it's got original stuff too. 
and they're just there to to like for nostalgic purposes mm-hmm. and with world of final fantasy it's exactly the same like they mm-hmm. maybe they're probably a bit more integrated but like in the same way that you every single world that you go to in kingdom hearts is based on a disney property it is true like it's completely true i never once like sort of thought that kingdom hearts needed to have like disney in the title like you think about that as well like this is a game that has a load of Disney characters. And Disney is so particular about having their name on things. Like, they always have to have their name everywhere. But here was Kingdom Hearts that all they had to do was show, like, look, this is what you get in a Kingdom Hearts game. And that was fine. Like, could you imagine if they they did it, like, Kingdom of Disney or something? Like, they would have tapped into a completely different fan base in comparison to what they did do, which were sort of younger game, still like maybe younger gamers, but like people who were interested in other games, not just parents who, like, I don't even know if that was really a a go, like, I don't know at that time if that was a go-to parent buy it for their kids game like you you know what i mean like you know how like lego games are always kind of the ones that parents buy for their kids because it's legos all over it like i wonder if um i wonder if kingdom hearts even fell into that thing where um parents would see it and be like oh it's a disney game let's buy it for my kid and that type of thing it seemed much it, more manned yeah. by us by like people who were gamers and knew it, the content. like the audience was definitely like young teens right yeah and, and like maybe like it was it was young teens for the disney and older teens for the final fantasy mm. and they pulled on both of those audiences to to create this this original thing which has grown into something really really special mm-hmm. and like world of final fantasy i feel as though it having that name has been such a hindrance on it. Yeah. Because, yeah, the story has nothing to do with Final Fantasy, really. Mm-hmm. It's a story of Ren and Lan, and uh, I, I can't remember too much about it, but I, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> and like, but, but the way they integrate uh, things in, I know it's like revolving around their parents and there's different dimensions and all this crazy stuff. Like, you, it's, it's quite mental, uh, yeah. but also like quite dark as well uh, and i remember like as i was going through it because it was five years ago now um i remember going through it and thinking like oh this is really cute and stuff but it had harder hitting moments to it and I, as you got more towards the conclusion things did start to take a more serious tone and there was more emotions pulled in there as well and it you know the, it was kind of the the cutesy style was mm. was uh kind of thrown to the side a little bit which is i really appreciate it when when games like that do that because it's it's kind of unexpected in a way mm-hmm. but having the name world of final fantasy completely pigeonholed it from from day one mm-hmm. it's like you know you're not going to appeal to anyone who is not a fan of final fantasy i don't think with this game mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same draw as as some of the other games would have like 15 was able to pull in veterans but it was also able to pull in new people just the same in the same way that seven remake has done Mm -hmm. but i'd guarantee that world of final fantasy the bulk of those sales that they got were from veteran players who were like going to play the game from nostalgic purposes and were then probably quite surprised by the game that they got to play yeah i mean like there was also the degree of like veteran fans who weren't interested because it was because it was kids focused as well yeah. Like, and that's kind of the sh- sad thing because I think a lot of people got surprised when they actually did have the opportunity to play it at how well it was written. 
How like, well it was written, how well the gameplay works mm-hmm. as well, because it is probably the best um, iteration of the ATB system. Yeah. Like, I'd say, like, maybe 10-2 is probably a bit better. But, like, World of Final Fantasy, with, with the way they integrated the stacking mechanics, mm-hmm. it added so many layers of depth to it. And, like, yeah... Uh, yeah it's just it was just a deceptive uh and there was all these perceptions it's like 10-2 had exactly the same problems yeah so many people avoided that game because they thought it was going to be a certain way yeah and then it wasn't like well it was yeah it wasn't yeah yeah no completely um and yeah that does come a lot to the how they marketed it and how they approached it and um yeah i just it's it's I it really make it really does make me sad because like I just thought that World of Final Fantasy was such a fantastic a fantastic game. Um yeah, I just I you know, it might it might have done a lot better. And they probably would have benefited a lot more as well because I think that in Opera Omnia's done a really good job at it too. But the way that they had the uh, the returning characters interact with each other, like uh, the the their relationship between Titus and Yuna was just absolutely perfect. Yeah, the way they sassed each other, they like manipulated the uh, the lines from the original game to like mm. turn things around. Uh, so like you know when. It may be in the original game when uh, Titus and Yuna had a bit of a, a discourse and it was Titus in the wrong. This time they switched it around, so it was Yuna in the wrong. And like, just just how they had all these different dynamics in the same way that 14 has done it as well, mm. that there are so many people that have played 14 and they've done the... Um, the, they've played through the the story content relating to like tactics and, and Nia. And, and now, because they've had such a good time they're encouraged to go and check out those games too to explore more yeah and i feel as though world of final fantasy could have done that because yeah you would have got to see all these different characters from games maybe you haven't played and uh they would have they they represented all of those characters in a really positive light Mm. i feel yeah no completely so yeah i mean it's a it's a sad thing because i don't know if it's a game that's gonna get a second coming I don't know if it's going to be a game that that gets like a second go at it really. I think it should do and like but I don't know if it will. Yeah. Because of its name. Like yeah. can you World of Final Fantasy 2 just doesn't have a very nice ring to it. No, they did uh what was it? Maxima. Maxima. Was, but that was like a yeah, just an expansion of the first game, just the same as Integrate is. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I think the name really did it. It's it's hard. And like they, they can come up with something. I think the weird thing for me is that they've gone on record saying that World of Final Fantasy sold way beyond their expectations. I think it ended up selling almost a million copies. Mm-hmm. But then Bravely Default sold a million copies. Mm-hmm. And they have like done so much with that particular offering i think there's like seven games in that sub franchise now yeah and it didn't come out too much earlier i think it was like 2013 it must have come out probably default so it's a couple of years before and like with world of final fantasy they've done a really bad mobile game which got mm. cancelled like i don't know six months to nine months after it came out yeah and then they did maxima and it's been so it's been so quiet since then yeah and i, I am just wondering if because they they have a fear that they can't follow it up and succeed and do better 
Because like with Kingdom Hearts, that was obviously always the question. Kingdom Hearts 2, can they exceed what they did yeah. with the first one? And Square don't have the best track record with sequels selling. Like the this, the sales usually drop down. Yeah. It's almost like they just don't know. I, I think they just also just don't understand what does well for them. Like they don't understand what me what is a good Square Enix game and what's a bad Square Enix yeah. game. Like I think Bra- Bravely's done done well because mm. it's continued to like be there or thereabouts. I don't know if the sales have necessarily topped the original game, mm. but I know the the games the sales have done reasonably well. And obviously they've done other games as well, like Octopath, and um, they're now doing Triangle Strategy. On top of that, their mobile games do well which helped to fund the other yeah. things. But I do think they don't they don't plan out their games very well because of the fact that like, you know, you just think like um how many games can you list every game that Square Enix has announced and is on the horizon right now? Like it's a long so freaking list. So many. And it's just not it's not good. Like it's not like from Rockstar, I can think of like a list of like games that I would love to see from them like in the future. But I know that it's always going to be like one game that they're really like coming out with. Uh, Sony Santa Monica. Like I know, I know I've heard that there's another game that they're working on, isn't there? But God of War is their game. It's and their I thing, know yeah. that it's their thing. Naughty Dog. Like, you know that, okay, they've come out with The Last of Us 2 what's the next game on the horizon you kind of know like it's gonna be a singular a singular no more than two games square enix has an insane amount of games and i think they really need to tighten that up and not be so widely spread yeah i mean in a six month window you've got uh life is strange is coming out you've got guardians of the galaxy you've got um Triangle Strategy, you've got Stranger of Paradise, it's Forspoken, Babylon's Fall is probably going to come out. And then I think in the Japanese side, there's like Dragon Quest X offline. There's like there's there's tons, tons of games they've got mm. coming out. They're all completely different to each other, yeah. to be fair. And I can't imagine how much money it's costing them to like even just think about marketing them or like how bad it must be to be somebody who's trying to come up with the marketing plan for all of these games. Like it just must be so difficult and all of them must be so burnt out. Like uh, they just really need to chill. Like, I mean, yeah, less, less quantity, more quality. I think is the, is the general rule of thumb, but I guess that like square are in a, in a kind of unique position because I like, it's i think we talked about last episode actually the similar thing um like it's fair to like talk about the the amount of games they're releasing but also like luminous productions are working on one game Mm -hmm. and the last game they produced was 15 so Mm -hmm. you know that's by the time forspoken comes out that's going to have been a six-year window between releases yeah and that's the thing. Square are working on so many different different games. So Team Ninja are doing Stranger of Paradise. The last game they did with Square was Dissidy NT, which came out like three years ago. Mm-hmm. So like, it, it's not like they're it's the same developers churning stuff out because I guess the equivalent would be Sony, right? Mm-hmm. Sony have got 
yeah, they've got God of War, but they've got Spider-Man 2, they've got Gran Turismo 7, they've got Horizon uh, Horizon 2, they've got all these different games coming out, all from different studios. Yeah. And Insomniac are now working on Spider-Man 2 plus Wolverine. Apparently, they're supposed to be working on um, probably, well, they just did Ratchet. They did. But with that being said, though, it like with Insomniac, it is the same sort of audience like it's easy to switch between the two because they kind of like spider-man audience would be involved with wolverine but ratchet and clank is a bit different ratchet and clank is a bit different but they get by on the fact that ratchet and clank is fun and there hasn't been one in a while so it's like all right well this is cool and this is fun like let's let's play and the other thing is the fact that it was a really good game as well. And that definitely helps because... I think, yeah, I think the main issue is that, like, the, it's it's hot, like, and it, it has happened with Idols as well. It's really hard to know what you're going to get from a Square Enix game. Yeah. It's like Insomniac are a certain type of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naughty Dog, certain type of game. Like, they're working on multiple games now, back like, side by side, and that's fine. Uh, but Square, like, yeah, like Triangle Strategy is like going to be like a, a gritty turn-based um, tactical. Yeah. You've got Stranger Paradise, which is an action RPG Naughty Souls Dog's game. Like, Naughty Dog's not like, let's do Last of Us 2 and now let's do a MOBA. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's let's just come out with like a League of Legends style game with all um, of our characters. Yeah, no, it's not even that. It's, yeah, it's like, let's do, let's do, uh, yeah, we've got the big big gun then we're going to release a mobile yeah and then we're going to release a mobile game that retells the other game yeah retells the story of uncharted let's go <laughs> and like you know yeah it's just it's just crazy i mean i um yeah i just i just think that there's too many cooks in the kitchen and there's they're just like I guess it's fair enough when you think like certain teams don't maybe have different ideas, but if you're not working as a solid um unit, it shows, and I think that's what's showing by them spreading themselves so thin with so many different types of projects. I mean, I know that they uh one of the big exercises they did a lot at the start of last year was to try and consolidate mm. or the year before was to try and consolidate so because they had up to twelve different business units in square enix japan and that excluded square enix uh europe yeah. and, and north america which were doing their own things too and um so yeah you probably had like 16 different divisions of the company that were working basically in isolation to each other yeah they've now in japan cut that down to four but i believe those four still have subdivisions <laughs> yeah and and it's still much the same because yeah like Technically, everything Final Fantasy now is is uh, Division One, which is overseen by Kitaze. But like the the types of games you're getting out of that division are completely different. And then, well, actually, no, I'm completely telling a lie there because Sixteen is not coming out of Kitaze's division at mm, all. Yeah. And like, so yeah, like that's how we're going to end up with the disparate experiences again, where Seven Remake is going to be nothing like Sixteen, probably, because it's completely different creative teams. And I'm pretty sure that even though Kataze is going to have like a light touch on 16 because he's the new like brand head mm-hmm. or whatever, I-, I don't think he's really going to have much sway because what sway is he going to have? Like, okay, yeah, he was very successful many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, who's currently successful? Yoshida. Mm-hmm. I don't think I he's going to like, be like, oh, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, no, sorry, you're right. 
Yeah. Yeah, it is. They've just really gotten themselves in a really complicated situation, and I hope that they realize it sooner. It's why Dragon Quest has, has been able to just continue doing so well because yeah. it's controlled by one team. Yeah, yeah, just one team. Like, go fancy that. If you focus on one thing, you do it well. That's like they have you know. different people within that uh, division. Mm-hmm. But I think even when they had like the 12 divisions previously, whereas Final Fantasy games were being developed in like four or five different divisions, yeah. Dragon Quest was still just like one. Yeah. Maybe two. And I think it is that whole reactive thing. It's that whole thing of like they're trying to chase they're trying to chase the dream of having of of being able to find the next big thing that's going to make them the greatest video game company in the world and it's just it's just not gonna happen the way that they think it is without them actually like just focusing on what they do well which was stories like stories was the thing that square enix does like exceptionally well and even that i don't feel like we're insured it anymore and like it's so hard as well to see it because like the the forespoken like, First Spoken does look fun. It does look like a fun game. But the trailer doesn't fill me with much confidence in the writing. Like, the writing, the the way that the characters spoke in First Spoken didn't sound natural and did not sell it to me that I'm going to enjoy this game from a narrative perspective. To me, it sounds it sounds very much like some person came in and tried to translate how a teenager is supposed to sound. It's like those those Hollywood teenager films where the teenagers just sound like foreign people because it they just they don't they sound like robots. They sound like like robots, right? And like I just it makes me sad because I think about how much we enjoyed like Final Fantasy VI and World of Final Fantasy. And it's just like, it's annoying that we're not insured that kind of quality ever. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> at least with Final Fantasy fourteen. There was a lot of good stuff in that. So yeah, for spoken, I'm still, I'm still really on the fence by like, mm. they haven't, they haven't shown enough to, like they haven't shown off any gameplay yet really like yeah. they've shown snippets and it's like the game is is coming out in six months time i don't know i mean they haven't f- confirmed that but like um it's it's uh spring 2022 isn't it which is between like april no march and Ju- june i think it is mm-hmm. um but like yeah I, I don't know when they're going to show it off yeah like what? What? What big shows are happening between now and the game's launch? Unless it's going to be in like a state of play. Probably there probably will be a state of play about Forspoken. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, I have no clue. But I'm I'm still very much on the fence about it. I mean, I'm I'm interested just because I know it's it's built on uh, Tabata's vision, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the people working on it were kind of working with him for many years. Uh, but other than that, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, I haven't been drawn in, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people have, a lot of people are really impressed with the visuals and, 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 and what they've seen. And one of the reasons they've been doing, uh, from my reading, one of the reasons they've been doing the trailers the way they have is because they are trying to replicate the feel of a Hollywood movie. 
Mm-hmm. And the trailer is structured in a similar way to a Hollywood Hollywood movie would be structured with like the the random lines of dialogue and stuff as opposed to the typical style of trailer that we would normally get. Mm-hmm. I, it seems to be working because people are still really excited about it. Mm. But I don't know if it's designed necessarily for us. Yeah. Anyway, this has been an interesting show. I didn't really... We didn't really talk about what we were planning to talk about at all. Mm. Even when we talked about World of Final Fantasy, it was supposed to be more of a retrospective, but we just talked about a load of stuff. It's good. I liked mm. it. Yeah. Hopefully you all liked it too. Yeah, I think it was fun. Listeners. And go out if you haven't played it yet. Like This is a really great sort of advertising thing to go play World of Final Fantasy because it's it's really a fun game and it deserves a lot more love. So... Share it around on social media if you've played World of Final Fantasy before and tell everybody that World of Final Fantasy is a fantastic game. I think it's also like really not that expensive either. Mm. Let me just check. Yeah, it's like 20 quid mm. on Steam. Yeah. Least. Yeah. So go go get it. 20 quid on Steam. Go get World of Final Fantasy. For one of the best Final Fantasy games, or turn-based Final Fantasy games that has been released in a long time. Mm. Yeah, no, completely. All right. On that note, it's time for us to round things out, Lauren. So the next episode of Final Fantasy Union will come out on the 2nd of November. Mm. Until then, be sure to check out all our news coverage at the website, finalfantasyunion.com. And if you enjoy what we do and are interested in supporting us on Patreon, you can head to patreon.com forward slash ffkhunion. For now, though, it's time for us to say goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. 